Hello, 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 everyone. It is Moving Motivation on Monday. Thank you all for tuning into my podcast. God is good. He continues to bless me. My family is blessed. And while another day above ground is always a blessing. I hope you guys are motivated and moving and encouraged. I hope your day have went and gone exactly how you expect it to go. I'm so sorry for being so late posting. It's been a long day. Nothing has been working right with me with Anchor lately. But she, me, her continues to push through. Just saying. In life, everyone needs some motivation to be successful. Motivation gives you the inspiration that you need in your life to achieve success. And everyone must realize that what they think actually matters. If you're thinking about success, you must need motivational thoughts, you know. Be happy. Be bright. Sometimes it's okay to be selfish. I'm going to be honest with you. But dream doesn't work unless you do. And always do small things with great love. And if no, you think you can, then you have to. Remember that. Not every day I'm motivated, but I always... I always work on it, you know, but there are lots of ways motivation, most important, self-motivation. Yes, you are the most reliable person who can motivate yourself and be a great guardian of your own. Um, so... Stop wishing and start doing. If opportunity doesn't knock, build you a damn door. Life is about moments. Don't wait for them. Create your own moments. The best way to predict the future is to create it for yourself. No one is going to give it to you. And whatever the mind of a man or woman can conceive and believe, they can achieve it. With hard work and perseverance, Do something today that your future self will thank you for tomorrow or the next day or two weeks from now. You never, you will never find yourself until you face all your truths. All your truths. Today is an opportunity to get better. So don't waste it. It's hard to fight an enemy who has outposts in your head. Dreams is not what you see in sleep. It's the thing which doesn't let you sleep. It's never too late to become the person you are capable of being. Integrity simply means a willingness not to violate one's identity. Don't you dare underestimate the power of your own instinct. On my podcast, I like to do my horoscope, which I will not be doing it today, you guys. But I do have some around the world tea and some Q&A questions. So you guys don't go anywhere. She, me, her will be back. Stay motivated. Be your motivation. All right, all right, all right. It is around the world news tea time with Anita. Yes, honey. And I have eight of the best things that happened at the royal wedding it is official you guys yes it is official 
And I'm going to tell you my favorite moments from the ceremony. I'm just going to say it. Prince and Meghan Markle have officially tied the knot. And they're now husband and wife. They're mad now. Following the ceremony at the St. George's Chapel in Winslow on Saturday morning, which millions of people watched it, people around the country, they became the Duke and Duchess. Yes. It was a fairly groundbreaking ceremony. As royal weddings usually go, with a blend of the traditional and the modern to reflect who Harry and Meghan are as a couple. Take action. First, you have to thank the UK for committing to immunes of 45 million children against polo every year because they do that. That was just a little throw in, but anyway. Thank you for your commitment to hashtag in Ebola with UKA Reconnect the World Polar Free by 2020. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they actually said that. But anyway, here are my favorite moments from the ceremony that fused feminism, global citizenship, and yes, honey, celebration with blackness. Megan began her procession alone. Meghan Merkel was walking down the aisle, fashion and pop culture, and her historical first for a royal bride in the UK. Meghan chose not to be chaperoned for much of the procession down the aisle at St. George's Chapel in the Windsor. Instead, she walked along for the first part of the procession, accompanied only by her bridesmaid and page boys. Prince Charles, Charles Harry's father, then joined her at the choir where the main royal guests were seated. Um, her father was unable to attend because he had health problems. So, I know he feel bad. I, I can just imagine. Anyway, Meghan Markle set to break the sexiest traditions at weddings to Prince Harry. Like, she just broke all of them. First of all, okay, I'm getting so excited. Charles also didn't give her away, as would have been traditional, but instead stood back as Meghan approached Harry alone. Yes. It's time to focus less on glass slippers and more on glass ceilings. Yes, because Meghan told her own story. I'm just saying. Number two, it was a national celebration of love. Anybody that watched that wedding could not say that there was not love there. I mean... Like most weddings, love was a word on everyone's lips at the ceremony. It's a welcome message, a distraction from the amount of national and media attention that has been different, division and conflict in recent years. But across the country and further afield, with hundreds of thousands of people gathering in Winslow and millions more watching across the world on TV, people came together to celebrate unity, loyalty, and love. And that is, according to the ceremony, not selfish and self-centered. That's definitely a love we can get behind. I'm just saying. Number three, baby. I think it was one of my most highlighted moments. Reverend Michael Curry. Yes. He gave an incredible black sermon. Yes, I said it. Now, I don't think there's ever been that many black people in that church, let alone in a room with that many royals. Megan just reminded us all who she is and where she's from. And I am 
a hundred million thousand here for it, Megan. Yes, hashtag royal wedding. Yes, honey. Anyway, let me tune it in. Let me bring him in. Let me bring him in. Okay, okay. Bishop Michael Curry, the head of the Episcopal Planning. I got something in my mouth, so it sounds I sound like I'm not pronouncing the words right, but I am. Church gave a resounding speech, beginning with a quote from American civil rights activist, the late Martin Luther King Jr. And he said, we must discover the redemptive power of love. And when we do that, we will make of this old world a new world. There is power in love. Don't underestimate it. Not just in its romantic forms, but any form, any shape of love. When you are loved and you know when you love and you show it, it actually feels right. I mean, it was just so unprecedented. I'm just saying. Megan and Harry's wedding will help tackle period taboo, homelessness, and HIV, I think. That's just my humble opinion. And his speech didn't restrict itself to those in the room. He continues to say, when love is the way, no child will go to bed hungry. When love is the way, poverty will become history. When love is the way we actually treat each other well, like we are actually family. Yes, honey. See, that's how they preach in black church. I'm just saying. Number four, it was a celebration of diversity. Like, I said she looked more white than black, but baby, she said at that wedding, she, me, her, Megan, is black. Have y'all ever seen her hair, like, her natural hair, like, when it's not flat on or anything? Like, she got some nappy kind of looking hair across the edges, I'm just saying. Anyway, th throughout the run-up to the royal wedding and long before they were even engaged, Megan's biracial identity has been a significant moment for the British monarchy. Now, many commentators believe that Meghan and Harry's wedding will, in small but important ways, begin changing British relationship with race for the better. Now, I want to believe that, but it's not going to change overnight, so people have to be patient. One person interviewed in a report by the BBC about black Britons and monarchy, and they said it's comparable to when Barack Obama became president. People were like, wow, I think that's going to happen here as well gorgeous moving display of african-american culture and expression at the very seat of white anglo power what could have felt like an over over frolly overhyped occasion it just feels like a monumental and megan herself has also spoken out about how race and slavery in the united states affected her own family race you create the identity that you want for yourself just as my ancestors did when they were given their freedom now, she wrote that in the magazine Elle in 2015 about her biracial identity. Because in 1865, which is so shatteringly recent, when slavery was abolished in the United States, former slaves had to choose a name, a surname to be exact, perhaps the closest thing to connecting me to my ever-complex family tree, my longing to know where I come from, and the commonality commodity that links me to my bloodline is the choice that my great 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 grandfather made to start anew he chose the last name wisdom he drew his own box they got a full black choir after a black ass sermon 
this wedding is black as fuck. I'm living. Like, when it was going on, I was like, yes, honey. I'm just saying. And number five, you guys. They open up a space for the other black talent. The guest list for the wedding brought together royals and Hollywood A-listeners reflecting Meghan and Harry's different and diverse backgrounds. Among many guests were Oprah Winfrey, Eldris, Serena Williams, who also walked herself down the aisle at her wedding. I'm so excited and honored to perform at Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel's wedding. I was bowled over when Miss Merkel called me to ask if I would play during the ceremony. And of course, I immediately said yes. What a privilege. I can't wait. That's what Mr. Mason said, which his family, like all his siblings, they play multiple instruments like he is really, really amazing. But the ceremony was also an opportunity to showcase some lesser known but equally talented performers. Um, besides Mr. Mason, the 19-year-old who became the first black winner of the BBC Young Musician Competition in 2016, who was asked to play the cello at the wedding. Yes. And the gospel group, the Kingdom Choir, performed Stand By Me, American Soul singer Ben E. King. The choir performed Etta James' version of Amen, This Little Light of Mine. As the newlywed couple was leaving the chapel. Oh my God, it was just beautiful. I mean, there was, number six, there was no promise to obey. The marriage service from Common Worship 2000 which meant that Megan didn't promise to obey Harry in a moment for feminists everywhere. Instead, it celebrated as a sign of unity and loyalty that enriches society and strengthens community. In a lighthearted moment, the couple then said, I will, and grinned to laughter from the ensemble congregation. Like, it was beautiful. You could tell that they love each other. Harry will, well, will, well, will, will wear a ring. In another break from a decades-old tradition, Prince Harry has chosen to wear a ring to match Meghan's. Yes. Um, he described the ring as a symbol of unending love and faithfulness during the ceremony. While it's not fairly normal for men to wear wedding rings, it's reportedly only because customary during World War II when men decided to start wearing rings to remind them of their wives and families at home. It's also something that very few British male royals have chosen to do, including Harry's brother, father, and grandfather. And although Prince William's shoe choices was later said by a palace spokesman to be just down to personal preference, I'm here for that. And I'm, I'm glad that you're doing your own thing with your wife, with your life. Just saying. Number eight. It's celebrated members of public too. The royal couple invited more than 2,000 members of the public into the grounds of the Windsor Castle to celebrate with them for the first day. And it included 1,200 community champions, such as a young people who have shown strong leadership. They also invited 200 people from charities and organizations they support, 100 pupils from two local schools, and 610 Windsor Castle community members. Also among the crowd was 12-year-old Amela Thompson, a survivor of the Manchester Arena Barman last year who attended with Sharon Goodman, grandmother of Olivia Campbell Hardy, who was killed in the attack. The 12-year-old Amila Thompson has been invited to the royal wedding. She survived the Manchester Arena attack last year. Amila had two tickets and gave one of them to Sharon Goodman, the grandmother of Olivia Campbell Hardy, who was killed in the attack. Global Citizen Campaigns achieved the UN's global goals to end extreme poverty by two 
2030. They believe the world needs informed, engaged, and passionate people taking action to drive positive global change. You can join by taking actions. Anybody, I think everybody should, you know, take actions to should be trying to get into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, change things. I'm just saying, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was here for the wedding. I was here for the wedding. Okay. The Warriors broke a 60-year-old record in game three win versus the Rockets. Did y'all watch the damn game? At least we watched the game. People here were mad. Like, all quiet and shit. Like, uh-uh. The Golden State Warriors blew the doors off of the Rockets in their 126-85 win against the Houston Rockets in game three of the Western Conference final Sunday. They also broke a record that last six decades. Golden State, 41-point win is the team's largest margin of victory ever in the postseason, passing the mark of 39 set by the Philadelphia Warriors in an 85-46 win over the St. Louis Bombers in April 6, 1948. The Warriors not only played in another state and city, but in the Basketball Association of America, the professional league that merged with National Basketball League in 1949 and became the NBA. Joe Fox led the Warriors with 15 points that night, with John Logan paced the Bombers with 18 the Bombers folded in 1950. Steph Curry, who led the Warriors with 35 points in Game 3, scored more points on Sunday than Fox and Logan combined. The first game, Warriors 119, Rockets 106. The second game, the Rockets 127 to Warriors 105. And the third game, 126 to Rockets 85. Yeah, you heard me. Game will be in Oakland Tuesday, May 22nd at 6 p.m. Game 5, Houston, Thursday, May 24th at 6 p.m. Game 6, if Oakland, Saturday, May 26th at 6 p.m. Game 7, if at Houston, May 28th, 6 p.m. So, go check them out. Go give them support. You guys don't go anywhere. She, me, her, your girl will be right back. Yeah, I'm gonna be back. Because you know what? Should we believe Giuliani when he said that Mueller's team said that they couldn't invite a president? What do you think? Come back. I'll be back. You come back. And let's finish this. All right, all right, all right. I'm back. Do you guys remember Jet Li? I mean, do y'all know who he is? Well, you know, um, he was in Fearless, Romeo Must Die, Hero, The Forbidden, Kiss of the Dragon. Yeah, you got it. Well, anyway, if you look at him 12 years ago, at the peak of his action movie career, and then you look at him now much older than his 55 years as he deal with his medical issues. He looks very different. So apparently, Jet Li is suffering from hypothyroidism and spinal problems. And there was an Instagram picture of him posted. A fan who posted the action star during a recent visit to Tibet um, shows Jet looking frail and nearly bald. He revealed back in 2013 he suffered from 
hypothyroidism and a heart condition. And at the time, he said he could continue making action films or spend the rest of his life in a wheelchair. But more to the point, Jadis also suffered serious leg and spine injuries over the course of his career. And many he can't stand for a long period of time without hunching over. Just four years ago, he was starring alongside some of the biggest, biggest action stars in the world. Like in The Expendables 3 looking nowhere near what he looks like now so you guys you know pray for him wish him well all that good stuff because you know i mean you're a fan you know and i'm gonna always be a fan carrying on giolani he said that Mueller's team told him that they can't indict a president now the special counsel robert Mueller's team has informed President Donald Trump's attorney that they have concluded that they cannot indict a sitting president according to the president's lawyer, Giuliani. That's what the news said on CNN. All they get to do is write a report. Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani told CNN they can't indict, at least they acknowledge that to us after some battling, they acknowledge that is. Now, the conclusion is likely based on long-standing Justice Department guidelines. It is not about any assessments of his evidence. Mueller team has compiled a lack of an indictment would not necessarily mean that the president is in the freaking clear. Mueller could issue a report making referrals or recommendations to the House of Representatives that his ass needs to be indicted. Just saying. The inability to indict a sitting president has been the position of the Office of Legal Counsel in the Justice Department since the Nixon administration and reform in the Clinton administration, but it has never been tested in court. It has been an open question rather if investigators found potentially criminal evidence against Trump, Mueller's team would try to challenge those Justice Department guidelines. Well, CNN reached out to Mueller's team and supposedly they declined to comment. Now, the Deputy Attorney General, Rod Ronson, publicly discussed the issue earlier this month at an event held by the Freedom Forum Institute, and he was asked if a sitting president can be indicted. And he said, and I quote you, I'm not gonna answer this in the contents of any current matter, so you shouldn't draw any inference about it. But the Department of Justice has in the past, when the issue arose, has opened that a sitting president cannot be indicted. There's been a lot of speculation in the media about this. I just don't have anything more to say about it. Ronston oversees the special counsel probe. Now, Giuliani tells the CNN the special counsel team has decided that they have to follow the Justice Department rules. The Justice Department members going back to before Nixon say that you cannot indict a sitting president, you have to impeach him. Now, there was a little time in which there was some dispute about that, but they acknowledged to us orally, verbally, that they understand that they can't violate the Justice Department rules. Um, the president's lawyer, Giuliani, said that we think it's bigger than that. We think it's a constitutional rule, but I don't think you're ever going to confront that because nobody's ever going to indict a sitting president. So what does that leave them with? That leaves them with writing a freaking report, is what Giuliani said. It would then be up to the House of Representatives to decide what to do with the special counsel's report and rather to pursue articles of impeachment. 
Jelani also said that he is using the one-year anniversary of the Mueller's probe, which is Thursday, to push the special counsel to disclose how much money is being spent and to actively begin negotiating with Trump's legal team over any Trump interviewer is seeking. Jelani said, do you really need an interview? You got all the facts, you got all the documents, you got all the explanations. We're happy to tell you they're not going to change. The legal team put the questions of indictment directly to Mueller and they were not surprised by his answer. As part of, strate- of a strategy to deal with the issues of subpoena to the president, should he decide not to testify, according to a source familiar with the Trump legal team, thinking the reason is important. This source said is that under their view of the law, the special counsel's team would have to show that they need the president's testimony to investigate a crime of great significance. The president's team would then argue that if you can't indict the president for a charge like obstruction, that there's no crime to justify the subpoena. Since questions about obstruction involves asking about the president's state of mind, his legal team would ask why those questions are warranted if he can't be prosecuted. The president's legal team believes that in order to justify an interview, then it has to be his crime and not somebody else's. In addition, the source said the Mueller team would also have to make the case they can't get the information anywhere else, and Trump's legal team will argue that Mueller's team has millions of documents and enough information. So, I don't know. But this is what I've learned. Just because a law is put in place that you cannot indict a president does not mean that his ass is not guilty. Like, just because you can't get enough evidence to prove that somebody did something doesn't mean that they're they're innocent. I'm just saying, it doesn't mean that you're scot-free. I, I mean, people, like, you gotta stop that. Everybody know you're guilty. And the fact that you keep saying that they can't do anything to you, it confirms that you're guilty. I don't care what anybody says, you're guilty. And if they want a criminal as president, continue to do it. So all this is going to come to the head, but I just hope they know at what cost this is going to come back on them with. I'm just saying. All right, moving on. The Santa Fe shooting suspect cannot get the death penalty nor life without parole. The 17-year-old that's accused of killing 10 people and wounded 13 at a Santa Fe high school on Sunday. Oh, oh my God. On Sunday. I'm sorry. A Santa Fe high school in Texas will not get the death penalty or life without parole because of his age. He's been held on charges of capital murder and aggravated assault on October 7th. He allegedly used a shotgun and a revolver to kill eight students and two teachers and injured 13 others. He confessed that he acted alone in the shooting, according to the probable cause affidavit. Now, no matter the legal case ahead, that Texas justice will not include the death penalty. In fact, the harshest punishment the suspect can receive is life with the possibility of parole. We will be taking care of his ass. Why juveniles 
cannot get the death penalty? Well, it's because of a ruling by the United States Supreme Court that fit a pattern in the past few decades of justice limiting punishment for those who committed crimes when they were younger than 18. The ruling in the 2005 case, Roper versus Simmons, banded the death penalty for juvenile offenders by a 5-4 vote. The court ruled that the death penalty for the perpetrators under the age of 18 constituted cruel and unusual punishment and so violated the Eighth Amendment of the Constitution. In addition, the Supreme Court ruled in 2012 case of Miller versus Alabama that states cannot give juvenile offenders life without parole as a mandatory sentence. That too was a 5-4 decision. Now under the Texas law, the maximum sentence for capital murder for those 18 is a life sentence that allows for the prisoner to apply for parole after 40 years. Now that doesn't mean that they're going to get out. That doesn't mean they're going to grant him an early release. It just is clarified that under this law, the inmate has the right to apply for parole after 40 years. But again, it is unlikely that he'll actually be granted an early release. Prior to the Roper ruling, Texas led the nation in executing people who committed capital crimes as juveniles. And according to the Death Penalty Information Center, across the United States, 22 people who were juvenile offenders were executed between the reinstatement of the death penalty in 1976 and the Rumpel ruling in 2005. 13 of those executed, executed were in Texas with the most recent execution in 2002. Now, given the victims, I mean the suspect's age, confession, and the limits of any future sentence, they believe it's too early to discuss the legal strategy for him of how they're gonna go forward how his lawyer will go forward. That's what the discovery process is for, to see if there's anything we can do for our client in that aspect, Barford is there, which is the suspect's lawyer. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not saying, you know, I just have mixed feelings because if he have these mental issues, he have things going on with him, I think that people should get help. Never faced a, 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 a day outside of prison again in his life, but I still think that he should get help. Now, my thing is this. Something has to be done. Things have to change. Parents got to be more responsive, more attentive, more involved. I mean, you have to talk to your kids. You can't allow your kids to be locked up in a room for days at a time, no friends, no social skills. Come on. You should be worried. I'm worried for you. I'm just saying. You guys, I'm going away. I'll be back with my Q&A. Alright, alright, you guys. I'm supposed to do my Q&A question, but I wanted to mention former President Barack Obama and Michelle Obama, they signed Netflix production deal. They have secured a deal and it's for to produce series and movies for the streaming service. The former first couple will, according to any announcement, 
on Monday from the company potentially work on scripted and unscripted series as well as doc series, documentary films, and features under the multi-year deal. One of the simple joys of our time in public service was getting to meet so many fascinating people from all walks of earth and to help them share their experiences with a wider audience, President Obama said. That's why Michelle and I are so excited to partner with Netflix. We hope to captivate and curate the talent-inspiring creative voices who are able to promote greater empathy and understanding between people and help them share their stories with the entire world. Michelle said, Barack and I have always believed in the power of storytelling to inspire us to make us think differently about the world around us and to help us open our minds and hearts to others. Netflix Unparalleled Service is a natural fit for the kinds of stories we want to share and we look forward to starting this exciting new partnership. Now, signing the Obamas is the latest and by far the biggest in a string of moves by Netflix to lock up the entertainment industry. Highest profile producer and executive production and development tax. Last year, Netflix pooched Grey's Anatomy creator Shonda Rhimes from ABC Studios with a deal valued at more than $100 million. Glee creator Ryan Murphy jumped from his longtime home at 20th Central Fox Television early this year to also join Netflix. Murphy's deal was reported at the time to be worth as much as $300 million. However, sources have said that tally includes money that Murphy is expecting to make from his current and former Fox series over the life of his Netflix contract, and that the true value of the deal is in line with that of Ryan's. It is unknown how much the Obama's Netflix agreement is worth. In March, Pilgrim Random House signed the couple to a joint book deal that pays them a reported $65 million for their respective memoirs. Michelle and um, Barack and Michelle Obama are among the world's most respected and highly recognized public figures and are uniquely positioned to discover and highlight stories of people who make a difference in their communities and strive to change the world for the better, said the Netflix Chief Center Officer Ted Sorrendos. We are incredibly proud that they have chosen to make Netflix the home for their formidable storytelling abilities. Among President Obama's most visible public appearance since leaving office this year was on Dave Letterman's um, Netflix series. My next guest needs no introduction. President Obama appeared as the first guest in a former late show host new long-term interview program. Word of a possible pact between the former United States President and First Lady surfaced in March when the New York Times first reported that the couple was in talks with the streaming service on a deal to produce several high-profile projects. Yes, honey. And I wish that I could be a part of, you know what I'm saying? Because, you know, I can act a little bit. I'm just saying. Give me a little minute, you know, for the go to the one, two, three action. Because, you know, you got to take out everybody going to be watching you, blah, blah, blah. But, you know what? I can do it. I'm just saying. Give me a chance. And Cardi B loves her man to death, literally. Like, seriously. And in her new Be Careful music video, the internet was falling apart over the deadly I do. Love takes on some pretty heavy risks like heartbreak, loss, regret. And for Cardi B's new Be Careful visual, even death. I mean, it was, I watched it four times, you guys. The Grammy-nominated Bronx feminist um, unleashed the music video for the second single from the Invasion of Privacy debate happened on Monday, May 21st. Following a brief Instagram hiatus and spring cleaning, the na narrative-driven video tells a horrid tale of love's fatal consequences as the beautiful bride Cardi goes from wedding to widow after warning her groom of the losses he'll take from his infidelity, including her and fondly his life too. Ironically, 
The date of his wedding and death ceremony happened to be at the same location as well, a church symbolizing a holy matrimony and turned morality. Now, which body optimized by way of a cross she digs atop his grave in the finale scene of the visual be careful shows body gang leader as her most vulnerable and vicious elements a stark variation from other glitz braggadocious videos like bordier cardi bodak yellow and even her 90s flair cameo and bruno mars finesse remix the internet was like it was shook at all four minutes and nine seconds of it, it was like, yeah, so I'm here for it. You guys have to go and see the official Be Careful video and the Border Games reception. Like, I'm telling you, you will be like, oh my God, I love it. I'm just saying, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I'm just feeling it. Now, I'm not throwing no hate, no shade or whatever, but I didn't understand how Nicki Minaj was in the nominees. For Alba when she was gone for a minute and she came back with these two um, singles. I don't know. So, I ain't got nothing to do with that. But, if it goes the way people are seeing it and might go, I'm going to have to be looking at BET a little side eye. Like, what y'all up to? I'm just saying. Carrying on. The WNBA PBI. What's next for Sparks and Lennox? Sylvia Falls left and the Lennox played um, Nanique Oak Awakma. I think that's how you said it. And it sparks three more times in the regular season. Their next meeting is June 3rd in L.A. Uh, Carlos Gonzalez Star Tribune. In one way, a game-winning buzzer beater in a rematch of the last two WNBA Finals is exactly what the ESPN's WNBA Basketball Power Index predicted. Entering the season opener, no more than one field was expected to be the difference between Minnesota and Los Angeles. It might come as no surprise that the and Sports once again topped our early PBI rankings at this point in the season. Essentially, is a reflection of last year's rating, but everyone's a little closer to average. For instance, BPI would expect Minnesota's or Los Angeles to be an average WNBA team by approximately six points on a neutral court with equal reds and the same number of possessions, right? That is most likely to a conservative projection for the league's last two champions who combined for 37 double-digit victories in 2017. Well, the offense and the defense components of the BPI demonstrates the difference in those powerhouse. You know, despite turning over the ball 24 times in the season opener against Los Angeles, Minnesota's offense remains one of the PB's top two units. Los Angeles is a much more balanced team with a defense that ranks second and expected points above average. The Lenox and Sparks will meet three more times in the regular season and have a percent chance of crossing paths in the playoffs, including a 3.1% chance to meet in the WNBA Finals for the third consecutive season. Now, while that might sound low, it is actually the most likely Finals matchup in 10,000 simulations, I'm just saying. The, the likelihood could be much higher when they meet next on June 3rd if each team gets off to a hot start. But according to the PBI, Minnesota has a 53% chance to secure the first home win of the season Wednesday against Dallas. Meanwhile, the Sparks continue their road swing with visits to Indiana and Connecticut. Los Angeles has a 28% chance to return home with an unblemished record before hosting Phoenix with its BPI's top-rated offense through two games. Now, I know y'all don't watch it. I know y'all don't watch 
um, girl, women NBA. I know y'all don't support it, but y'all need to. I'm just saying. Because, I mean, they, they games be more exciting than the men sometimes. I'm just saying. Like, y'all just come on now, support. Like, really? Like, come on. Anyway, Kendra Lamar uh, was performing Sunday night at Hangout Festival in Alabama. And when he pulled this young woman named Delaney from the crowd to rap Mad City. Well, Kendrick Lamar shut down his concert after Miss Delaney, which was a white fan that he invited on stage, decided it was cool for her to repeatedly rap the N-word. Well, guess what, honey? It was not all right. Now, Delaney promised that she knew all the words, N-word included. And after dropping it three times, Kendrick had to stop everything. She was clueless at first. She was like... What like I like am I not cool enough for you? Like what? The crowd started booing and Kendra was shocked and told her she needed to bleep one word and Delaney was apologetic and the show continued. Kendrick was forgiven, but the crowd wasn't they weren't having it. They was like, Boo I ain't gonna tell you what all they were saying, but yeah, it was ugly. But I will tell you this the show still went on. And it still was a good show. I'm just saying. And I respect him. Because you know what? Some of them celebrities don't stop. They keep going and they keep going. You know what I'm saying? Final. Derek Fisher Basketball Academy. It's the first time in the NBA championship. Derek Fisher. Passion for impacting lives of young people. Motivated him to create a camp experience for children and teens of all skill levels. DFBA is a dedicated and focused on developing the basketball leadership and life skills of each camper. Derek and his team are prepared now more than ever to elevate campers to the next level, both on and off the court. Learn more about the camp from Derek and um because there's a video on um oh my god on BET.com website, but there's a video at the bottom where you can Get all the information because it's not too late. You still can sign up. You can still give them the information for you to sign up. Um, yeah. All right. Oh, Al Sharpton. He claimed that white male supremacist is on his last breath because Harry married Megan. And I need him to stop talking. I'm like, seriously. During a National Action Network rally Saturday in Harlem, Reverend Al Sharpton said that the marriage between His Royal Highness Prince Harry Charles, Ever Davis, Duke of Zeus, Earl of Dumb, Baron, and Her Royal, and Her Royal Highness Rachel Meghan, Duchess, countries of Dumberton and Baroness Killikin, or their Royal Highness, the Dutch and Duchess. For sure, indicates that white male supremacy is on his last breath because little white girls in Wales are saying, I want to be like Megan. Sharpton also said that little white girls wanted to look and dress like former First Lady Michelle Obama and Sasha and Molly Obama means that white supremacist is questioned. I, I just, let's just focus on his statement about the royal wedding for a moment. You know what I'm saying? And how utterly ridiculous it is. I mean... Which white supremacist systems are being dismantled by the royal highness marriage. In what corners of the world would the British emperors, colonization and imperialism 
will cease and for what global violence will it be held accountable? When has white women emulated black women ever, ever led to the destruction of white supremacists? When? How? Where? When has white men desiring or partnering with, with black or as Megan identified mixed race or by white racial women ever eroded white male violence? When? Where? How? These are heroic, heroic questions, of course, because the obvious answers are none, nada, none, nada, never, and never, and never. White supremacists are losing their minds because the world is passing away, where they're all the standard, where they decide what is beauty, where they decide what is of intellectual depth. Sharpton went on to say, Reverend, just really, like, so let me get this right. Megan's proximity to whiteness wasn't a determining factor in the crown accepting her into the fold. Her light skin and straightened hair isn't the Eurocentric standard of beauty that black women are told is the pinnacle of attractiveness. I can't decide if Sharpton is being willfully ignorant or if he really believes that black women can that black women can sex love and marry our way from underneath institutionalized systematic systematic white supremacists because white girls want to be us this is not to slam the newly mint duchess at all she is a beautiful talented compassionate accomplished woman who by all accounts is a perfectly loving human being and I love seeing her joy. I love seeing at least from the outside how deeply she is loved because I don't know her personally. But let's make it plain. Marrying into whiteness does not dismantle whiteness. Further diversifying white supremacists does not erase white supremacists. We saw this when President Obama, Barack Obama became leader of the United States Emperor. Many of the usual Critiques that black people levy against that most violent of institutions were muted, not only because they were just happy to see a black man at the hem, but because they felt protective of him in the face of white supremacist attacks. Similarly, in this moment, many of us aren't being honest about the things we've been taught to yearn for, strive for, or the things we should unlearn. Many of us aren't being honest about why this particular seat at the table feels like an accomplishment to so many. People, if we can't honestly examine that, then to quote Amara Barak, we're in big trouble. If we can't admit that power and wealth are often aphrodisiacs, we're in big trouble. If we can't admit that Megan breaking through what seemed to be an impenetrable wall of race, class, economic segregation to breathe, the rare feel white air on the other side feels like a win to some folks. And while that's dangerous, then we're in big-ass trouble. If we actually have so-called leaders claiming that black faces and white spaces means the end of white supremacists, we're in big trouble. Was the wedding beautiful? Hell yeah. Absolutely stunning. In one charge to overlook the exalted of military monarchy and the violence both have inflicted on the world and just escaping to the spectacle of it all, was it 
worthy when Harry gave his bride a smothering look and bit the his lower lip after telling her she was gorgeous. Oh my God, it was it sure was. I mean, he was like, I can't wait to get you home in a good bath. Yeah. I mean, it is kind of hilarious that one of the horses leading the carriage was named Tyrone. <laughs> You better cow Tyrone. I'm just saying. Anyway, the African um, Luninating, the Gospel Choir, the Black Chalice, Mama Merkel's Choir Grace, and the Black Preacher who took the House of Windsor all the way to Jesus and John by the Riverside Church of God in Christ were all freaking amazing. Rachel Megan Mountbatten Windsor, Duchess. Married a wealthy white British prince. This has always been an aspirational possibility for little white girls in Wales. And will continue to be an aspirational possibility for little white girls in Wales. The wealthy ones anyway. So will they really want to be Meghan or will they simply convict what Meghan has a prince, wealth, almost universal adoration and power? Look, if white British girls wanted to be like a black American woman... Because a black American woman married a white British prince ushers in the end of global white male supremacists, which doesn't take into consideration how white women's complicity in structural white violence, then tally ho, cheerio, and pip pip to progress. I'm just saying. I mean, I'll believe it the day I see it. And right now, she, me, her ain't seeing it. I'm just saying. And you know what? That's the end of that. I will get to my questions, my Q&A for sure this time, you guys. Yes. Then you better call Tyrone. Call. Okay, how do I not come off as rude when I'm not interested in socializing with someone? Um, simple, just be direct. Just, just tell them how you feel. Don't, I mean, just try not to be like blunt with like, just leave me alone and I'd be like, no, just say, I'm sorry, not right now. And just leave it alone. Or just say, I'm sorry, I'm just not in a good space. And keep it moving. I'm just saying. I mean, because you would spend so much time, like, what should I say? You know what I'm saying? Like, no. We can help. Alright. Next question. How can I get my ex-girlfriend back after I begged and pleaded? I did everything wrong in the book that I shouldn't have done. And even said mean and hurtful things to her out of anger because I wasn't emotionally prepared. Hmm. Well, I think you missed your opportunity. You may have to live and learn and move on. Most mature people have limits and no women have had enough. And if that's her situation, there's maybe nothing more you can do except accept it and move on and, and try not to repeat your actions next time. You won't win her back, I think, because you are a jerk. Accept it. 
and get on with your life and hopefully you learn from the experience. Next question. Is it okay to wish my ex happy birthday? We are good friends before we were in a relationship. What would you do? Um, no. Y'all not together anymore. No contact rule. Like, no. I know why you want to wish them a happy birthday. It's either you want to hear their voice, you want to know what they're doing, how they found somebody else, you don't want to be unpolite, you, you know, you were part of their life for so long, or you expect a reaction from them. I don't know if it's the first or the last one, but I think the second or third one, I might be more right. I mean, do not wish them a happy birthday. Not by text, not by message, not by call. Let it go. Just saying. Okay. What should I do since my girlfriend has told me that she has already moved on, but I still love her? She's telling you to let go. That's how you overcome it. She broke up with you. Y'all not together. She moved on. So, get some hobbies. Um, hang around your friends. With, you know, create a plan. Um, just get busy, get active. Just start doing things. And, and it'll help you. Now, I'm not going to tell you it's easy. And I'm not going to tell you that you're not going to feel the way you feel. But she's already moved on. And the more you try to get back with her, the worse you're going to feel. So just get active. Try to do things. Take your mind off of her. And just delete her out your phone. Block her out your phone. Unfollow her on all the social media outlets. All that good stuff. And as time progresses, you will get over it. Just saying. Moving on. Why do some people not want children? Um, yeah. I don't know. It just, that's just, some people just don't want children. Some people had a hard life, you know? So, when they had a hard life when they were young, you know, they, you know, they may love children. They may think children are the most beautiful thing in the world, you know? They may have no problem with helping children and excited to see children, you know. But that doesn't mean that they want to have someone dependent on them, you know, sacrificing for, you know. So, just some people don't have that mother instinct. I think that some people don't feel like they'll be a good mother. And that they can afford it. And so they don't want to make any, have to make any adjustments. So people keep saying they don't want children, they don't want children because of how expensive it is. And it's no longer you. <laughs> you know, you have to be selfless, you know, at times, you know. So, um, I think, um, It's just some people just don't, aren't nurtured, and they, they can't relate to children 
in their mind and emotionally thinking on that level. And they just don't want, want children. Moving on. My husband is an international airline pilot. I suspect he is cheating in multiple countries. How can I catch a cheating international pilot without direct access to his electronic device? <sighs> you know, most of these, those conduct shenanigans in, in, in other situations than the airline layover, some few were exceptions to that rule. Now, the sad truth for you is that your marriage is in very deep trouble already. If you harbor the suspicion, whether it's true or not, you have decided in your heart that you could not trust your husband to remain faithful to you and his wedding vows, and marriage is based upon trust. That being the situation, perhaps you would want to ask yourself if you're willing to make the effort to fight for your marriage and your spouse. If you are, then the next question should be, you should you need to answer whether your husband is willing to make the efforts. Also, you cannot answer that question for him. Now, I pray that both of you choose to work together to overcome your marriage issues. If you do, you will need very strong, capable counseling. It's not easy and it's not cheap. Unless you prepare to the cost of divorce and gallows and emotions and baggage and most expensive to family and friends. Children suffer the most when their parents divorce. The effects outlast the lives of the parents in most cases. So I pray that you guys um, work out and get it together. Okay, next question. How do you know a relationship is sincere and someone is not after financial gain? Oh, God. In 2018, <laughs> it is quite sensible to ask those questions and ask yourself that question. From my experience, relationship partners who are out for financial gain don't wait too long before they tip their hands out. I used to know a person who asked me, you know, to buy something for them after only knowing them for a month. Seriously, not joking. It really wasn't even a month more like three weeks and response to your question though someone on the take will ask for your money directly or indirectly they ask you to spend money you don't have they ask you to help them buy something by co-signing alone they have a lavish you know provocative or what my daddy likes to call champagne taste they exhibit a, a, a should or non-existent work ethic, or they do work, they have, they hate every minute of it and not be grateful for all they have. It is not appropriate to make huge purchases on a partner outside of marriage, nor is it appropriate to help a partner buy a car, a house, a boat, anything that is considered a large expense. I'm just saying. This goes without saying, but you will be surprised at how many people could sweet talk into this stuff. Now, there is a far deeper problem, which is that a lot of people who are in relationships for financial gain don't even realize that's what they're doing. Consumerism has run rampant. In a relationship, it pays off to conserve to know who will be true. If you really want to know if a relationship is sincere, piss. Keep it simple, silly. 
do things together that are few or low cost. If you travel, drive to a nearby town and stay at a local bed and breakfast. The only time you should travel long distance together is to meet each other's family members. Save four-star restaurants for special occasions like birthdays and other special events. So, keep it simple and you will see if any of that change. What is the most frustrating thing about getting older? Um, sex, becoming boring as oil, repetitive, you're still nice but nothing special, brushing your teeth is just nice, um, <laughs> just saying, um, sex is no longer attractive to the people who are in between it, um, music, books and films aren't important, um, some people, they love them all, but they don't, it, it don't affect them as they used to. Um, they can sing songs that they learned 30 years ago, word for word. Um, they couldn't sing a song they heard today 30 times. I have no desire to study album covers and no longer know what my favorite singers look like sometimes. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's really awful knowing that you're one step closer to death. When you're young, you can ignore it. Number five is extremely frustrating knowing that you will still be moaning about everything on this list in five years while complaining that I didn't do anything in the last five years. Yeah, you will. So, five and a half, nobody has done everything they wanted to nine or nine hundred. There's always something we should have, could have, or have done and forgotten. Number six. Standing up and or sitting down become things you have to think about how to do it. Gravity becomes more noticeable. Number seven, regrets. You know you shouldn't regret anything. However, it still pisses you off knowing that you know now what you should have done. You regret not having regretted more in your youth. If you regretted more, you wouldn't have as much to regret now. I regret saying that and apologize for repeating myself. <laughs> Just saying. What does a man, when does a man start to miss the woman he broke up with? Uh, soon as he, soon as he broke up with her, soon as he alone. When he sees that she's happier without him, or when he finally realized he cared about her more than he let himself believe. Maybe if he gets with another woman, he'll be thinking of, 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 you know, them instead. There's so many reasons, you know what I mean? So. It just depends. Next question. Eli, do you still talk to your ex even after they broke up with you? I don't have an ex, so no. Okay. All right, you guys. I think that is it. Okay, say, what is one word for wanting to feel jealous? I don't know. Stupid? <laughs> Who wants to feel jealous? I don't know. Why do people feel jealous of rich people? Because they got money. And they don't. Do you ever feel jealous of other writers? Um, I'm not a writer. I just be posting stuff on WordPress. But I'm not really a writer like that. 
what should one do when one feels lonely? Um, go out, go with some friends, get on the internet, go on um, social media. Um, baby, there's a lot of things you can do. A lot of things to do. Just be active. Work out. Go to the movies. Go hang out with your friends. Um, yeah. How long does it take to get over your ex? A broken heart that's just going to heal, let go, or move on. Baby, it's going to heal. You have to want to heal. You can't keep reliving that relationship. Going over those old memories. You can't keep doing that. You know? Okay. Should I tell my ex I still love him? In my opinion, you shouldn't say that because they're your ex. Now, that means that part of the chapter is over in your life. If you try to tell them and it, it won't make a difference, what if they're seeing someone else right now? And, you know, or more you show your feelings, the more they can use it against you. So, no. No. Just what good would it do? You know what I'm saying? Like, those are questions you have to ask yourself. Alright, how can you tell if your ex still has feelings for you? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I wouldn't want to know. Because if they're my ex, they're my ex for a reason. I mean, if, he, if they do still have feelings for me, then they would have to make it clear. And if he broke it off, then he would have to make it right. I'm just saying. So, I don't know. I don't have an ex. So, I don't know. No. I wouldn't want to know. So, I wouldn't care if you do or not. Because if you're my ex, you're my ex for a reason. What happens to spoiled children when they become adults? Um, they become, um, selfish people, committing crimes, stealing, um, arrogant, rude, um, yeah, because I'm grateful for everything I have and everything I receive. Most importantly, I'm grateful that I've always had everything that I needed. And I'm grateful that I had parents who wanted my life to be the way I, it needed to be. Now, I'm grateful that I have an income that allows me to do some things for myself and for my family. So, I, I, I think a lot of people, because they're so spoiled, they don't even know how to be grateful for what they have. They have. And so, they become very selfish and arrogant and just negative and... All that stuff, so, yeah. Why is it when I broke up with my BF boyfriend, he got someone the next day, then still had the balls to text me? What does this mean? That he was cheating on you, baby. That he didn't want to be with you anyway. He didn't want to be in a committed relationship. That's what that meant. Or that he met somebody, the grass was green on the other side, you broke up with him, which gave him the opportunity to not break up with you. And now he done met somebody else. That grass ain't green on the other side. So now he want to see if you was actually serious about breaking it off with him or have you changed your mind. 
I'm just saying. But um, block, block, uh, block. Just saying. Like you, you, you don't need to talk to me. All right, next question. Is it okay if I keep at least two pictures of my ex? Hell no, for what? Bye, delete, let it go. What does it mean when your boyfriend wants his ex to meet you? He crazy, and you crazy too if you go meet him. What I'm meeting you for? You finna pay some bills? You giving me some money? You paying for my classes? Well, if it's no, then bye. Mm-mm. Might got time for that. What are some things you realize as you got older? Um, that your bones are gonna start aching. Gray hair is gonna pop in. Um, stress is every day almost. Um, anything worth having is worth working for. Um, to always be encouraged and always encourage yourself. Just because a door closed doesn't mean that you stay there. Shit. Build your own door. Or just go through the messes. You know? Next question. What if my girlfriend doesn't pick up the poo of her dog? Should I break up with her? I mean, if you're breaking up with her, you think you should break up with her because she ain't picking up dog shit, then you don't need to be with her. Because you crazy. And who don't pick up that dog shit from, especially if it's in somebody else's yard. I'm just saying, I don't know. Like, that's crazy. Mm-mm. No, you don't break up with somebody because they're not picking up dog shit, but you got to reiterate to them that it's nasty and you think it's nasty and they need to clean the dog shit up. But if you don't want to be with her and the dog shit just reaffirming that you don't want to be with her, then yeah, break up with her. Next question. Do you ever have moments where you miss being the family of your ex like you and one of your exes were so close that their family took a liking to you? Well, I don't have an ex, and if I did, no. No, because it's going to always be some type of issue because your ex move on with his life. His new life going to be mad with you because the family's still cool with you. You mad because she tripping with you because you cool with them. Well, you ain't mad with her, but you tripping because she tripping at you because you still friends with the family. Man, if I got time for all that, that's a headache just me saying it. Move on. Let it go. Nope, I wouldn't be. Why can't I show any emotions towards my boyfriend? He had to be the one to start any kind of physical contact. What is wrong with me? Um, Sometimes when people are mad and pissed, sometimes it's hard for them to give in. And it's called stubborn. It is very, very stubbornness. I'm just saying. So, I don't think nothing is wrong with you, but you have to learn how to apologize first. Be uncomfortable. You know? So, put aside that stubbornness and that pride. You know, pride is a bitch, and pride will hurt you. I'm just saying. So, you got to be willing to do that sometimes. But I don't think nothing is wrong with you. I'm I'm like that sometimes. But I'm very stubborn. And if a person hurt me. Sometimes I hold things too long. And sometimes it's not on purpose. And sometimes it is. So yeah. Last question you guys. Why do some people say that they didn't know. 
that they were pregnant until they gave birth, but they wonder why they don't get periods. Or is it normal to miss periods for more than five months, or do they think they have reached menopause? No, it's... Let me tell you something. I was that person. I was pregnant. And I was never regular when I got pregnant, before I got pregnant. So I would probably bleed, and then I would stop, and then I would bleed, and I would stop. But see, this is the thing. I was still bleeding, which I thought was a cycle, but it wasn't a cycle. It was just blood that hadn't stopped. And it's very rare. It doesn't happen to a whole bunch of people, but sometimes it happens to people, especially when you're young and you get pregnant when you're young. Um, and I had my first child, and I had no clue. I'm not going to say I didn't have no clue. Because my hips had spread it. My stomach never got big. I was still on the drill team at school. Um, and that night, I had performed at the basketball game. And went to my cousin's house after the game. And yeah. So, that just happened with some people. Um, but, it's not menopause or anything like that. But, Yeah. All right, you guys, that is it for me. Thank you for tuning into my podcast. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Peace and love, my people. All right, all right, all right. I want to thank you guys for tuning into my podcast. I appreciate it. It means a lot to me. Stay true. Stay real. Stay encouraged. Constantly continue to push love. Never allow someone else's thoughts and opinion to dictate who and what you think of yourself. Remember to live, love, and laugh. Allow God to be God. Again, stay true to yourself. Stay humble and always push love instead of hate. Continue to pray for these victims across the world in all different types of situations. Allow God to be God. Peace.